This is the Adulting with ADHD podcast, self-empowerment for people with ADHD. Very excited to have with me today, Heather and Sarah Taylor, and they host the Brains podcast. Brains. Spooky. I'll let them tell you more about themselves. Super interesting backgrounds and super interesting topic we're talking about today. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll yeah. jump in. And, yeah, uh, please do. <laughs> introduce myself. I'm Sarah Taylor of the Taylor Sisters. Uh, I am a film and television editor based in Canada. And I joined my sister to co-host the podcast Brains, Brains with three A's, where we dive into um, mental illness and disabilities and how we see it on screen. Yes. Um, we always have a special guest that comes in that has lived experience of something and then talk about how they wish they could be represented on screen. Um, it's just so fun because we get to learn so much every time we have a conversation. Uh, I'm a writer and a director. I was a former journalist and ad exec for my sins. Um, <laughs> not the journalism part, the ad part. Um <laughs> And I think I take that mindset into the work that I do of the interviewing people. So it's so interesting to be able to do that as part of this podcast um, and to just bring, hopefully to listeners, just the understanding that all of these things are very nuanced and everyone's experience is their own experience and they're all different mm -hmm. and that we have to see. So just like one representation of I'll just say X is not enough on film and television. We have to have many, many, many representations because there's so many different experiences. Wonderful. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, to get started, let's talk about how you guys got into this space. Well, podcasting is something I've been doing for quite some time, but then Heather and I constantly talk about our brains and all the things that happen inside of them, whether it's like, hey, I learned this new trick in therapy, or I'm feeling this certain way. And we also always talked about how we would see something on film and television and be like, what the heck? Why? <laughs> why are they doing that? What is going on? And we'd have our little rant sessions and we decided, I think it's something that we should probably maybe record. We could give it a go. And then, uh, and then Brains was born. Yeah, I think we we actually like we talked about. Well, Sarah's like we should do a podcast, we should do a podcast, and I was like, I don't know what we can do it about. <laughs> and then when we stumbled upon that, we're like, of course, this is exactly the perfect intersection of like the work that we do, what we talk about, what we really are passionate about. As a writer, I'm always trying to put my own lived experiences on the page because I realized the reason I even went into writing was because I was deeply personal in a project that I we did this collective creation I was deeply personal told a personal story and people will come up to me afterwards and say I always felt alone I never heard anyone else had the same experience as me and I realized that in sharing our experiences and sharing those parts of our lives that we often feel we have to hide that actually by doing so by hiding that we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to a lot of other people and so for me, it's like, how do we continue to tell these unique experiences with people who don't always get to tell the story? Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, in your work, what's the most important takeaway you've had on how neurodivergent people are represented on the screen? Now, 
I'm going to say like for, for this conversation, I'm going to talk about neurodiversity through the lens of ADHD and autism because they're best friends um, <laughs> yeah. in the neurodivergent world. Because neurodivergency can be many, 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 many things. Yeah. Um, I think often when people say neurodiverse, they kind of mean autism, but it's not what it is. <laughs> it's many things. Um, and so I think the biggest takeaway that I have is that most of the time, neurodivergent representation is just coded. Their characters never say that they are neurodivergent or say that they have ADHD or autism or anything like that. Um, and when, and the reason I think so many people want to hijack characters to see representation is because when characters are coded, they're overwhelmingly more three-dimensional, complex characters. And then when you say, this is here, we're going to tell you the story about autism, it's very yeah. often more one-dimensional characters <laughs> yeah. or very, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what we need to do better at, but that often yeah. it's like just very like to someone who is non-disabled, they'll be like, great, that's autism or that's ADHD because it's so stereotypical. Yeah. And so we're not really seeing ourselves. And I actually had someone say, everything I see that's not coded feels wrong mm. um so but then we have characters so i'll just list a few characters because i sure, think it's interesting yeah. in autism we have people that have said they feel identification with christina yang on gray's anatomy and she's very complex character or abed in community um or tina in bob's burgers you know they sometimes address that um we have amelie or even dax in um oh what am I, I can't remember the name of the film oh Ga guardians of the galaxy Mm. Um, that he's coded autistic, which I just love. Um, and then like Sheldon and the Big Bang Theory is an, is an obvious one that people talk about yeah. a lot. Um, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I read recently like Captain Holt and Amy Santiago would lean into that, the autism camp. And then for ADHD, you have uh, Jake Peralta on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so impulsive, a little stereotypical ADHD, but identify with that a lot. Um, Hank on Bluey, Dory in Finding Nemo, Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon, and then Gene in um, Bob's Burgers, The Youngest Son. And even I've seen like gifs of Brian Cranston's character Hal and Malcolm in the Middle, which I love. There's one where he's like, oh, the light bulb's out. I'll go find the light bulb. And then he goes on that <laughs> train that train that I have been on many times where <laughs> you find yourself as my husband says and suddenly all of the pantry is on the kitchen table <laughs> and you are or reorganizing something that was perfectly fine and then at the end of this like sequence you see how under the sink um, with everything out from under the sink trying to change like a part of the sink out because there was a clog and I'm like and he's like don't you see she's like why is the light bulb still out he's like, don't you see I'm getting to it and he's like in the sink and I'm like oh my god that yes that's me and they call him a goofy human hairball but really he's probably a guy who has undiagnosed ADHD oh, this resonates so deeply <laughs> in both my relationship with my sister and my house people in my house anyway <laughs> yeah I'm thinking of my garage right now <laughs> so let's jump into um what misrepresentation can look like we're, well let's back up the, the examples you just gave were just examples of existing not necessarily misrepresentation no those are right? just coded none of them have none of those examples are people those are examples that people have cited as being like same thing with like Wednesday from mm -hmm. um Wednesday from, from Wednesday <laughs> um, that's an easy one to remember um saying oh she's autistic but she's never it's never said 
And the idea, like, without saying who they are or, you know, that part of their themselves, which is not all of themselves, audiences don't expand their understanding of neurodiversity or that idea of what's acceptable differences, which, I mean, we should all accept all differences, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know how it is. Um, But (laughs) we we need intentional representation. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that clarification. So mm-hmm. with that with that understood, what are some examples of misrepresentation that you guys have observed? I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that if the character is cited as having, say, autism, that is the storyline. It's just yeah. about their mm-hmm. journey of dealing with autism. And they're not three-dimensional characters. That's the only beat they have <laughs> is their <laughs> neurodivergence. And that doesn't serve anybody. And then again, it's always like harking back to that stereotype that we've seen maybe from some other you know another show like oh the person's like oh I I heard about autism once here's a story about (laughs) autism right yeah um yeah so that's that's or it's like they're uh become like a superpower because they have like they're so intelligent because they have this one thing that they're hyper focused on so like like in the good doctor like there's certain characters where it's like just because they're autistic makes them a superhero yeah I think there is um often especially the savantism it's in autism is really overplayed. So really they only make up, and I want to look, relook at the stats. I found the stat somewhere. I'm like 10% of autistic people. I think it's less than that, but, but then we see like the good doctor, the accountant. Um, and oh, then yeah. I know. And in the accountant, people are like, wait, no one who is autistic was involved. They're like, but we interviewed people. And again, um, we need to be part of the storytelling. We'll talk about that later. But, um, uh, <laughs> They're over or like coded portrayals like a beautiful mind or Sherlock Holmes is a big one mm, yeah. um, who are often white men who are there to provide mystical insights into something that no one else could crack. And that is their purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, like Sherlock Holmes is a little bit more three dimensional, like the new I'm thinking the new one with um, Bernard Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch. But um, still, he's pretty pretty screwed up but they're often still like the odd one out right so I think a lot of times it's like they're the odd one out they're the only character who's neurodiverse and if we actually look at our lives I'm looking at you Sarah and I myself I mean lots of my friends have ADHD and autism and family members many other people in my life so I'm like and mental health disabilities and like the whole gambit so I'm like wait a minute why is there only one so often they're that odd one out um it's very othering um, and then this idea that um, often it's showing the effect people with neurodiversity have on other people. Mm-hmm. So we don't mm-hmm. see it from their perspective. We see it from how are you this per- how is this person impacting all these other characters, even when they're the main character. Yeah. Um, I think that and overemphasizing those traits, like I said before about like that idea that they seem autistic or they seem like they have ADHD to non-disabled people, but it's just like this laundry list of who we are instead of taking into account that these are spectrum disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, ADHD, I saw it's like um, often the symptoms provide comic relief. Mm. Um, They are nuanced, like they really like bug other characters and they're never properly addressed. Um, So that's to me, and it's often again told through that perspective of like, primarily white, primarily male um, perspective. Today's episode is sponsored by Joy Organics. Their range of premium THC-free CBD products are designed with the highest quality in mind, perfect for those looking to enhance their self-care routine. 
Visit adultingwithadhd.com slash joy to get started and save 20% off your first purchase. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm going to give some stats because I love yeah. stats. Heather loves stats. Stats are the best. Stats, 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 math. Okay. Um, so Math. <laughs> the best. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's a really good study um, that was done by the um, Annenberg, I'm going to say this, um, Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. So they do stuff about uh, inclusion. They've been, I think for the last eight years, have included disability in their conversation. You should really look at their studies. They're amazing. Um, they said only 1.9% of all speaking characters in films in 2022 were shown with a disability. So this is broadly all disabilities, which is wild. Wow. Of films in 2022. And again, state state the stat of how many people. Uh, 25%. Have... 25%. Okay. That is known. That is like, because yes. people don't disclose necessarily. So 25% of people who have known disabilities, that's our population. So such a vast difference. Wow. Um, and there's no meaningful difference in this percentage. Of spe- and these are speaking characters. So sometimes they don't get to speak. Because uh, often people with disabilities are used as set pieces. Like, oh, I'll just mm. put that guy in a wheelchair over there. Look, I did it. Disability. And I'm like, oh, my God. So wrong. Um, but that's, that's, that t- stat isn't different over, the whole, over 800 films in eight-year time span of the study. Um, most characters have a physical disability. Um, so if we're talking about something like neurodiversity, I think they put it under the idea of a cognitive disability, which also addresses things like depression, dementia, PTSD, like those all sit under there. Mm-hmm. So that's um, 17.3% uh, of people with disability. So mostly, most characters have a physical disability. So mobility, missing limbs. Um, we all need representation across all of them, of course, um, because characters could be shown with more more than one disability those percentages don't equal 100% because people often have multiple disabilities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, 54 of the top 100 movies failed to feature at least one speaking character with a disability. Um, and then six, 76 movies were missing female-identified characters with a disability. Um, and then only one of the 800 movies included in the like overtime analysis reached you know proportional representation of characters with disabilities and actually they say here 27 percent of the u.s population has disabilities um and that was in 2021 one film and so it's just wild that it's also like you know we said heavily male and uh is 70 percent are male three quarters of the characters disabilities were white and then uh only one character with a disability in 2022 was lgbtq and out of 800 films examined, only 10 characters shown with disability were queer. And none of the characters were transgender. So, um, yeah. And only a mere 15 characters with a disability in 2022 were shown as parents. And we know that mm. we love people and are in relationships and have children um, because uh, yeah, we do. We are three-dimensional characters who have <laughs> lives. Um, and we are aunts. We are moms. We're dads. We're... Um, or we're not, but we're all like, <laughs> yeah, yes. I have lots of plants, um, but no children. And so it's like, there's, but we don't see those representations. And I think, um, or like, especially leading characters that are leading the story and we get to see the story from their perspective and they're not being used again as a character who will, they're not being used to basically say, make show how good someone else's life is like we know from conversations we had in the past that um 
often disability storylines are either fix, uh, institutionalize, or death. Mm, and like, yeah. and, oh, isn't everyone else sad that that person died? And can't we be inspired by them? And we're like, how about we get to be three-dimensional characters? Yes. So we need to do better, clearly, <laughs> by this study. Yeah. Anyways, that's the study. That's the information. That's <laughs> oh, my gosh. Out. My brain splintered in so many directions <laughs> of hearing you read those stats. And I have so many questions. But what I will do is I'll put the link to the study in the show notes. Fantastic. Because I'm sure the listeners are also dying to look at the study. Yeah. <laughs> like and I it's am. like a study of everything. And they look at behind the camera, not as much for disability, which I'm curious about. But I think it's because it's probably so minimal. But they do talk about behind the camera representation. And actually, that um, box office numbers aren't impacted by like a lot of times you're like, oh, but we need this, you know, white male famous lead and at the top of the show so that we can make lots of money. And actually, statistically, I looked at at like box office returns. It didn't actually do that. That's not true. It's just very much in, baked into this mentality of the people making decisions that, well, these are the people we have to give the most money to. And then you look at something like, you know, what hit what's like breaking records and blown out of the water is the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a, yeah. You know, a woman with ADHD. Yeah. Greta Gerwig was the yep. director and co-writer. Amazing. And mm-hmm why aren't we giving more and and if you look at like well well why did that hit more it's like because they actually gave them money and they actually gave them marketing mm, major marketing so Very surprising major. right yeah. like if you tell people about something then we'll go watch it yes. huh. oh wow yeah this is this is a really good conversation <laughs> I have a lot to say about this. Heather, yeah. <laughs> I, this I, is, I again, <laughs> why we do this podcast. <laughs> there's lots of things to say. Oh, that is so gross. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That best so line gross. of the day. That is so gross. That's so gross. Yes. Agreed. Uh, so, um, of these very few who who get it right, um, what are some what are some examples of where it's been done right? If you could even think of No, there are. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's some. Can I say one and then, Heather, you can go in your spiel? Sure, sure. I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> Heather's for, anyone ready. Who, for anyone who knows, not doesn't know me, which is probably a lot of you, yeah. <laughs> um, I have, a, a, I think, a five-page document with all the things I want to say. <laughs> Sarah knows I have a lot to say. Yes, she has a lot to say. I just want to point out one that I recently saw. And actually, Heather, Heather pointed me to the show. Um, oh, my gosh. Now I'm blank on the show. Not dead yet. Yes, not dead. Yes, yet. not dead yet. I was like, wait, is that the name? Um, and her roommate in the show, played by Steve Glassman, who is Rich Glassman. Rich Glassman. Who's Steve Glassman? Anyway, Rich. Uh, mm. <laughs> anyway, he is autistic, and he is an autistic human, and he oh, plays. Right. Rick it's not Glassman. Rick. I'm like, Rick. it's not Rich either. No, <laughs> I, like, I know. I was like, Steve Rick. <laughs> Clearly, he is Sorry, uh, Rick. also a, a white man. <laughs> Rick. Glassman, Glassman plays uh, the roommate of the main character. Yes. And there's a moment when he is upset about how she's organizing things. And then she says, what are you, Oshbergers or something? And then he was like, yes. And then leaves. And I was kind of like, at first, like, what? And then he comes back later in this in the, the, mm. sh- the episode and says, by the way, I, I am autistic. We don't call it Ashburgers anymore. Um, this is how I need things to function so that I am in a good space and I need my space to be like this. And she was like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. And then, you know, 
they got along better. And then throughout the series or that, that season, there was moments where he was like super masking with uh, this girlfriend he had and not being his true self. And she was like, what do you like? You need to be like who you are truly is the best and don't mm-hmm. hide those parts of you. And he was able to like just let himself be himself. And it was oh, it was a beautiful moment. So I like that one a lot. Yeah. I think what's also cool is that he is an environmental lawyer. He yes. went to Stanford, I think. Like he is like successful. Yeah, totally. And this idea, but also obsessed with like, he has like all these collectibles. Like that's his like special interest. He loves video games. Like yeah. there's other things. So again, I think a complex character, but also played by someone with autism. Um, I think the first show that ended up being shown on mainstream television that actually had an autistic actor playing an autistic character that main character was Kayla Cromer in everything's going to be okay it was created by Australian comedian Josh Thomas and then through the writing of it Josh was like oh wait I'm autistic too so now it's like created by someone who's like this has helped me really identify myself and who I am um Rick Glassman was also in a great show Mm -hmm. called as we see it which Mm -hmm. has three autistic characters varying different needs, different family situations. Um, they show, you know, the idea of like having an, a parent, a ch- uh, when, when, in this case, an older brother acting as parent, trying to deal with his sister who just wants to have sex. And he just doesn't understand that. She's like, but I'm a human and I'm a, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a woman and I want to have sex. And like, yeah. let, let me, let me figure this out. Let's find the right way to do this. Um, yeah. I think also, What's cool? Well, I think a lot of times we see really good representation more and more in children's television um, and for young teens, because I feel like there's this acceptability in that in that space to like I had a friend of mine's like, I feel like I can be really open about my who I am if I want to write for kids TV, but not if I want to write for mainstream TV, which should not be the case. It should be like, no, we embrace these conversations everywhere. But there's a really great show created by Matt Huther and Courtney Jane Walker called Home Sweet Rome. Um, the main character, Lucy, has ADHD and anxiety. We know those two things are often like comorbidities of each other or anxiety is a comorbidity of ADHD. I love that they have that. Um, also, one that I didn't even flag, but it's so true, is Julie and Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie has ADHD and she says it out loud but I just never flagged it and then I'm like of course you are so obsessed with doing her I mean I've done that I did daily ukulele for 220 (laughs) days and then my routine got it disrupted by someone being in the house and then I stopped doing it and never went back to it yeah like and I'm like oh of course so I think you start to like realize that there you start to start to like realize they're there but then also there's people who let it go like did you know that Betty in Riverdale in the pilot episode had ADHD and then they never mentioned it again. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't, someone else mentioned it to me and I was like, Oh my God, because they show her ADHD meds. Yeah. And like, yeah. 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 She's an overachiever. And totally. like it, that idea of it tracks. Yeah. It tracks, but then they never bring it up again. So I don't know if like mm. they drop that. Um, but then you'll also see things like heartbreak high has great um, representation played by an act, an autistic actress playing autistic character um, and dealing with that. I think documentary has been really great. Uh, there's going to be a show on Broadway called, um, oh no, how to dance in, how to dance in Ohio. In Ohio. And oh. they had, 
autistic actors. They had an autistic consultant because though we say we need to be, have creators, you also need the creators and the actors not to be the consultants. So you need to have someone there as well to help Um, be the person who can be like, Hey, we need to change the environment or, Hey, let's do this thing. Or, Hey, like come ask me questions. So it doesn't become great. We're going to hire one disabled person to come in and they're going to answer all the questions of all the disabilities. And then they will also have to write and do everything else. So they're doing double duty. So it's like um, having a mix of things. And then uh, let's see, I'll give another one. Um, There's something like a, a teen wolf has a character in it um, who is named Styles. He's the main character's best friend and he is diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and he also has anxiety and panic attacks. And so statistically 50% of adults with ADHD struggle with anxiety. Um, and then there's a quote from his coach, which just makes you feel a lot of feels. So Styles, great kid, zero ability to focus, super smart, never takes advantage of his talents. And I'm like, how mm. many people with ADHD were told could do better if they applied themselves. Mm, yeah. uh, FYI, we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other show, and of course, I don't know the name of it. It's on. It's I think it's a Disney show, and it's with this little guy and his dog, and he's like in junior high, and he has anxiety, and he's coming back to go back to school. He was being homeschooled because his anxiety was really mm. crippling for him, and then he comes back to school with his um, support dog, and oh, so like it's really sweet, and the dog's freaking adorable. Yeah. And so I watched that with my kid and that was like a good thing to watch. Um, That's what, like, to like important. explain yeah, yeah. What, what it could be like, what anxiety Im- could be like. It's important to have that in kids television. But again, I'm like, it's so important to have it in adult television. Oh, right? for sure. Why. Like, I'm really curious, like Percy Jackson mm-hmm. um, is coming out the new, like they have a sci-fi series coming out. They, But Percy Jackson has ADHD and dyslexia, which often also go together a lot. And I didn't realize I guess i just didn't again i like i sorry i didn't really watch the percy jackson it was you should it was good i don't i know i love it it's also the stuff i love i don't know i hadn't watched again, it again we but, watched it with our kid anyway continue. yeah so but basically his dyslexia allows him to read ancient greek i'm like wow i wish that's really true but, um and his adhd like helps him again helps him conquer challenges because he looks at the world differently so i love that they did that in it's a Yes, I guess it's kind of like a superpower, but he's also part God. So, I mean. He's already got a superpower. It's already, already got a superpower. <laughs> like, yeah, there's already suspension of belief, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, what's the key to achieving more of this good representation mm. out there? Getting the people to tell the stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. it? Uh so it's nothing Not about with, us. Nothing, nothing, about, nothing us about, about us without us. Without us. Yeah. And I think uh, Jeremy Andrew Davis, he's this, a writer, director, and producer, and he's um, autistic and has ADHD. He said um, he would like to change that to say nothing about us without us in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> because the thing is, is that a lot of times what happens for any marginalized community, whether you're disabled or you're a person of color or you are queer or identifies part of the LGBTQ IA plus community that you are being put in very junior roles and it's really hard for you unless you can find allies in the room to support you you end up standing up for things and having to try to communicate things and then basically be seen seen as a person who blocks things and Mm -hmm. says no and and a lot of people will 
afterwards be like, oh yeah, I really thought it was a good point, but they never supported you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, we have to change a lot of things back there, but um, <laughs> in, in that bit of conversation, yeah. but I think yeah. let us be part of the storytelling process, but also like, let us be in charge. Mm-hmm. Let us have more representation across lots of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said earlier, like, we could, let us be like the fun aunt and have kids and be in loving relationships and, you know, see the less romanticized aspects of neurodiversity but also in the guise of being a wholly three-dimensional character. Um, I think, and that, that we have many things that are impacting us and we have many interests and many things that are totally. as part of our lives. Um, disabled people are not often allowed to portray disabled characters. So over 90% of the time, they're not included and they're not included in the creation process. So um, often the conversations are with people who are the parents or relations of those who are neurotypical. And not mm. people who are neurotypical. I've had someone say to me, not meaning to be mean or undermining, but they're like, oh, but maybe they do that so because it would be too hard for someone with autism to do that job. And I went, <laughs> I have ADHD. Do you think I'm less capable? And she's like, no, no, not you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think there is this misconception that if you have yes. a disability that you are not capable. Yeah. And that's not true. It's just that we, again, everyone needs an environment that works the best for them. And so to start to, to take away that, like I've started to be very vocal about being disabled, having ADHD, because when people see me, they're like, oh, but you're smart and you're, but we like you depend, no, no, no matter what. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just one part of me. Again, one part of me. And so just I just have found a way to move through the world and mask in a very specific way, but it's very tiring. Mm-hmm. And so if I could like at least be a little bit more of myself, that would be very helpful. But also by standing up on stage, like I was nominated for an award and we didn't win, but I had in my speech to call out to all the writers and showrunners and producers in the room that they had to do better because the representation in our guild itself is in the 0.6% area. Yeah. We're not, and that's the Writers Guild of Canada. We're not, and the U.S. is pretty close to the same. Uh, I think they're 1.6. Woo, like we're a little bit more. (laughs) Um, And they have a really great team advocating just for disability within the guild, which is fantastic. I think David Radcliffe is uh, in charge, is one of the top people in that that group. And I'm just like, we're trying to to fight from, uh, fight is wrong. We're trying to, no fight. We're trying to fight from the inside and the outside mm-hmm. to be like, we need to change this. And I think, you know, really advocate for the right representation. And and when creating characters, you're like, you know what? I'm creating this character, but when I'm in the room, we need multiple people. You know, I want multiple people with neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. I want the character to be played by someone who's neurodiverse because they bring something new to that character yeah. and something different and nuanced and like, hey, I wouldn't this is not how I would do it. Could I do it like this? Cause this is more reflective of me. Yes. That's why it becomes better. This is why we get to and centering the experience instead of it being like about the person with, with who is neurodiverse with autism or ADHD or whatever, get to see their lived experience and how the world affects them. Not just about how they seem to affect their carers or their effect mm-hmm. and always having to mask and, Oh, you should just smile and make eye contact. Well, what if the show said there was a character that said, Hey, why don't you like just be okay with me not looking at you? Why don't <laughs> yeah. you just okay that I don't smile? Why is it not okay that sometimes I'm just a little loud and excited? Yeah. 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 Like it's I, okay. I want to add something for like 
crews that work on shows and like in the edit suite, I think obviously trying to hire people that align, but educate yourself too. like investigate this stuff, listen to podcasts, you know, do train courses about accessibility, just be, and so that you can be that voice in the room too, to be like, yeah, actually I like that point is important. And like, you can be an ally and support Mm -hmm. the, the, the people that are around you that are working and trying to, to make these changes. I think it's huge. And producers, please have diversity training as part of um, both for a writer's room, for your crews, like have that because it's important because there are people in that room that would not feel safe to disclose. They may not still feel safe to disclose, but you are making sure that everyone feels welcome. And Um, if you're, sorry, go ahead. I said, and if you are a, a person that's upper level in your department, use your voice use that power you have to support people in your in in your team to you know ask what do you need to do the best job like i i started doing this now in my edit in my edit rooms what do you need i'm not asking anybody to disclose i just want to know what they need to do the best job and be the best at what they can do. Yeah. And ask everyone because again, yeah. it's not just disability. Someone may like, I actually would love, I need to leave at four because I have to go pick up my kid or I have an appoint, a regular health appointment for my mental health. Like I have a regular appointment um, for, let's say for therapy. Mm-hmm. It should be no different than when I say, Hey, I have an appointment for immunotherapy for like my allergies. That seems to be more acceptable than I have to go to my therapist. I've literally sat in the, not in the lobby because it's disruptive, but on the floor of where you come in the door before you go up the stairs of lobby, like in the dirty floor doing a call and walking through a presentation because I couldn't get that time because it's not acceptable to have time to take care of your mental health. And so I think that we need to like continue to have those advocates and continue to have that training and continue to look at like, we need to create environments that are better for the people who are working in them and like asking the question instead of forcing the person mm-hmm. who has the disability or has the need to always be the one who has to like yeah. stand up and ask and and not necessarily or say, hey, this is what I need. But instead of just saying, okay, they're like, but why? And kind of forcing someone to disclose. And I think uh, that is where we have to look at at making those changes where we have to allow people to just create, have better environments for them to work. Um, yeah. Just, just really quick, another stat. Sure. I did find the stats here yeah. that 2002 WGA West inclusion equity report disabled writers about 1% in the WGA mm-hmm. West for 26%, 27% of the population WGC, as we said, Canadian population, 22% is disclose as disabled in the guild 0.6% as I said. Um, So the inevitable foundation, if you are disabled and you are a creator and the creative industries, take a look at what they're doing. Um, They really have a huge campaign right now, hire disabled writers, not just a disability consultant. Um, They're like, so we say if in a writer's room, it's better. This is from um, David Radcliffe from the, um, he is a, uh, like works on the committee uh, for the WGA for disabled um, creators. Like he's an advocate, they have committees. Um, and so he says, in a, if in a writer's room, it is better to have a woman writer than a woman consultant or a black writer than a black consultant or a Latin writer than a Latin consultant. I have no idea why the disability consultancy space is so often the first or only place people look for us. Yep. 
Yeah. So that is how we make change is let us be in the room. Let us be behind camera. Let us be on camera and listen to what we have to say. Yeah. So final question on this topic, how do you feel like, (laughs) how do you um, feel like it's headed? How are you? uh, And and it's a two part question, but you know, how do you feel like it it is going in the right way? And how do you feel like it's not? Well, statistically it's not changing. Right. Yeah. And in fact, sometimes getting worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think if we try to impress upon people, that the audiences are thirsty for content that is about themselves. I have mm-hmm. one of uh, this gentleman named Sam who is in, I was in the um, respectability lab for entertainment professionals with disabilities. There's a wonderful um, comedy writer named Sam that was in the group. And he said, um, we, it's basically like we're in a desert for content and we're so thirsty that we'll drink sand. And that yeah. idea that we're just like, we, there's no, there's nothing for us, so we will just watch whatever we – we'll consume whatever we can, even if it isn't good, which is not the message. It should be like you could serve 26% of your audience by having more inclusion. And so I think if when we are looking at – again, someone said in order for you to have authenticity, there's a big talk about authenticity. Those of you who are trying to create things to be saying audiences are looking for this authenticity authentic authentic representation audiences there's 26 percent of audiences that are that will give you money that will buy things there's buying power there that we are dismissing that is and also i'm going to say this everyone eventually we will all become disabled um that is an inevitability as we age um that is just a reality Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't think about making better spaces and better worlds until we are experiencing ourselves. And so can't we just do that now? Yeah. I'm going to leave it there. That's, that's, that's perfect. Um, Hold on a second. (sighs) Take a deep breath here. Okay. So, um, so before we go, I want to talk about, the three-part series you guys have on um, for Mental Health Awareness Week. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have a three-part series that came out this week. We're recording the first week of October for Mental Illness Awareness Week. And we have uh, one episode about stigma with Amy Archibald-Varley, who's a nurse, health equity specialist, and co-host of the Gritty Nurse Podcast. She talks about stigma, where it comes from, and how it leads to discrimination. She also informs us on in how to prevent and address stigma and how to be a good ally. It's a great conversation. Our second episode is about diagnosis, the journey to diagnosis. Dr. Lily Lee, a registered psychologist and the director of clinical innovation at the mental health tech company, Dive Through, which is so cool. She discusses how to take the next steps when and when you need help with your mental illness or you're looking to improve your mental health. We also get advice on how... Um, how you what to do when there's it's difficult to see a therapist when you can't afford it or there's a long wait times which is like the reality of our systems and the importance of having a really great support system in place which i touch on because i had a really great support system when i was going through some hard times so it's really really important and then our final episode's all about disclosure and like we mentioned in this conversation nobody can force you to disclose 
you can choose when it's the right time to do it when it's safe. So Steph is a psychologist and she's also the host of Psychocinematic, which is a great podcast and she's based out of Australia. We love her. And she currently works within the disability inclusion space in schools in Melbourne. She and, his, and she has her own lived mental illness experience. So she comes at it with a really unique perspective. She talks about how to approach disclosure, the c- concerns around discrimination about disclosure and how to address it and why some people incorporate their mental illness or disability into their identity after they disclose. For both Heather and myself, I feel like we've, since we've started disclosing, and I think partly by doing this podcast and talking about it in a microphone, we have had a lot of people approach us and you know share their journeys and their feelings, and or encourage people have felt encouraged to go and and find out, you know, maybe get a di- diagnosis or investigate what's happening within their brains. And so, it's really, um, we're really, I feel, I feel really fortunate to be in this space and to be able to help support people however I can, even if it's just me sharing my story. Because feeling seen by some by hearing somebody else's journey and words and experiences, like it really can be a light in a dark, dark time. So it's important. Oh. Absolutely. Well, you guys, this has been such a valuable conversation. And I really appreciate you guys being on the show today and, and the work you guys have been doing. And before we close out, could you share with us how the listeners can keep up with you online? Yes. So we are brains. So that's B-R-Triple-A-I-N-S. So just like zombies, they go for brains. So do we. We're we're really excited both. I mean, we don't eat eat them, but we do talk about them. Um, So you can find us on all social platforms. Uh, You can find us on everywhere that you can listen to a podcast. Uh, You can go to our website, brainspodcast.com. So B-R-Triple-A-I-N-S podcast.com where you can find out, find all the episodes that we've done so far. You can find out more about us and what we do. You can also leave us a comment or if there's a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we haven't, please do. If you are someone who like, I have really an interesting story to tell and I'd really like to talk about that. And I love film and TV and I want to talk about that too. Um, Let us know, come reach out to us because we really want to hear lots of different stories from lots of different communities. So please reach out. Wonderful. Okay, let me stop this recording.